Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. It is I, Van Latham Jr. And it's me, Rachel Lynn Lindsay. Yeah, I bet it is. Oh, is that the kind of mood that we're setting this afternoon on Thursday? You good, Van? You okay? Let's do it. Let's do it. A wellness check. How are you, Van? I'm 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 drinking AG1 from Athletic Greens. Here he goes again. They they're getting so much free promo out of you. Is it really that care. good though? Because here's my thing with those type of drinks: is it taste nasty? Like, is there a sweetness to it? A tartness? Does... No, it tastes okay. delightful. It's smooth. Okay, it's smooth and it makes me feel good. It makes me sleep good. You know. It makes you regular? Absolutely. Which is tough because of the... Never mind. I'm not even going to talk about it. I'm not even going to talk about it. <laughs> okay. Rachel, you told oh, me I shouldn't oh, talk about it. Oh. Yeah. You said what? You told me I shouldn't discuss it. And so yes, that's right. That's it. right. It's not a thing that should be discussed. Uh, what, what do you got going on, Rachel? Um, like, like, I got you, a new wig. I see. Uh, you've been messing around with the wigs. I, I think I'm going back to, I've been away from the wigs for a while. And I think I'm going to go back. I got a new wig. That's no, not new. I just pulled it out the closet. Go ahead. You want to say something, Van? I see the smirk. No. Go ahead. Because you had the other wig on before. You had the I wig had the brown on. one. I that named them. Good. That was hey. Shelly. Okay. This is, this is Dawn. I got to be honest with you. The brown wig was a good wig, man. You like Shelly? That, that you People had a like whole Shelley. look. Yeah, man. It was kind of like an in type of thing. It's the color. Yeah. Oh, hold on. To your love, you got to. <laughs> okay. I, you know, that's that's kind of cutting up I like. If you want to turn this podcast into a sing-along, we'll, we'll annoy the audience. But I, that's the kind of that's the kind of cutting up I dig. Van, I don't really sing on the podcast, but in real life, I'm always singing. Like when you talk about making up songs, I make up songs for Copper all the time. We talked, we talked a little bit about this. I do this all why, the time. But why? If that's the case, see, this is the kind of stuff I don't like. If that's the case, then why do you get at me for it? You know, I don't get why at you. does everyone try to stop me? I, I'm, I'm. Everyone tries to stop me. Stop trying you know, to stop me. You know everybody. what it is? No. Nobody tries to stop you. We no. like you unhinged, unhinged, which. You are at times, but you go, we'll be like, okay, that was a cute one song. And then you want to give us five more. <laughs> That's I have a problem. lot of songs. You know what I mean? <laughs> Save them. We got a lot of podcasts. We do this twice a week. Um, um what you, you asked me what I got going on. Yeah. I got the White Men Can't Jump premiere tonight. Um, I'm kind of excited about that to see how that goes. And what else do I have? Uh, Nothing really. I kind of have a chill weekend. I'm catching up with some friends that are in town that I haven't seen in a minute. I mean, they live here. I just haven't seen them in a minute. So I got a very... Well, who are they? Why don't you see them? Because one is the stylist for The Bachelor, and he's always traveling, and he's rarely in town. So he happens to be in town. So I, I'm going to see him. And then the other ones, you know, Whitney, and I don't think you've met Christina. Uh, never met Christina. Uh... Are these people cockazoids? They both, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, so we're um, so we're okay. We're expanding our cultural horizons tomorrow. What you're doing? That's okay. 
What I are you guys going to do? You guys going to play some croquet? Maybe some lawn bowling? What do you do when you hang around your white friends? Seriously. like what, The is it same different? thing you do when you hang around your white friends. Why are you acting like you don't have any white friends? I didn't act like that. What I said was, you act what like do you it's do foreign when you hang around your white <laughs> Okay. What I, do I do? So I, Normal things. Like tomorrow we're going to dinner. We're catching up. This is a, this is a late birthday dinner that they're doing for me. You, brought, you guys going to Long John Silver's for dinner? That's I've never eaten there in my life. I've never seen black people in Long John Silver's before. I guess they go there. I guess black people, black go, people go to Long John Silver's. Black people do go Silver's. there. Yes, is that they thing? do. I, I've never been inside in of them In Texas, before. they do. I've never been inside of a Long John Silver's before. I've never, but I see, when I, when I see it, I see white people going in and out of there. Long John Silver's. We are like, really generalizing this podcast. What? Yeah. What? How? Yeah. How am I generalizing? I bet if I Johnny, get Steve the from tape. the Ringerverse on right now, hold on, let me see. I bet, I bet if I get Steve from the Ringerverse on right now, Steve likes Long John Silvers. Let Poor me call Steve, Steve real quick. Poor I Steve. bet you if, if I get Steve on right now, I bet he likes Long John Silvers. Hold on, let's call Steve real quick. Um, just real quick, let's call Steve. Let's see if he answers. I bet he likes it. Yeah. Steve! Poor Steve. What's up? You're on higher learning right now. Hey, Steve. You're on higher learning right now? Yeah, you're on higher learning. I need to ask <laughs> you a question. What's up? Have you ever been to Long John Silver's before? Oh, my God. I think, like, maybe when I was a kid. Okay. Did you like it? Like, I remember liking it, yeah. Okay. It's like an event thing. Like, like you, take your, you take your family to, like, a nice, not nice, but, like, a fun time with the kids yeah thank you steve i'll call you back <laughs> bye-bye thank you long john you silvers what would you like for me to call a white friend no because it doesn't matter because the reality is did you hear what he said first of all that's steve who is so good at his job here at the ringer that it's disgusting what a good producer steve is steve Donnie, Kerm, I get all the best producers. All the best producers at the Ringer. Fantastic. Okay, here's the deal. He said it's an event to go to Long He did say he was very excited. He was very excited. Jesus Christ. All right, we have a show today. Oh, my God. Yeah, so we're going to dismiss with the pleasantries, and we're going to get you to an interview with Delroy Lindo that we have on the pod. One can only hope that one enjoys this interview because this interview uh, that me and Rachel did a little while ago is an interview that one should listen to, that one should should really um, prioritize in its listening and its importance. It's an interview that one should really endeavor into uh, kind of really falling into with all of your of yourself and who you are. So later on, we're going to ask all of you, every single one of you, the ones out there that are listening to this podcast to really get into this interview that we're giving you with the one and only Delroy Lindo. But before we get to that, let's uh let's start with Donald Trump. Big deal of the day, CNN Town Hall. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello 
help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right, Rachel. Have you seen the discourse over the town hall featuring the Donald, the <laughs> former president of the United States of America, Donald Trump, uh, that's been creeping up ever since it, it aired on Wednesday night? Have you been seeing the discourse? And did you see the town hall itself? Okay, I saw the town hall, and I think I've seen majority of the discourse. Yeah. I, like even before, because I came home late. Before I saw the uh, the town hall, I saw certain things trending on Twitter. So I was like, okay, what happened? <laughs> what happened? I saw thank you CNN. I saw uh, CNN did. I saw dear CNN, and I was like, what happened? So yeah, um, this was in New Manchester, New Hampshire. It's mm-hmm. the first primary state. Trump is right now. I guess the uh, the front runner to get the Republican nomination. A long time, long time to go. Uh, but he is the front runner in the race, and a lot of people were disgusted by what they saw on the stage. Um, of course, this came right after something that we didn't get a chance to cover yet. Uh, Trump was found liable for sexual abuse and defamation in a suit brought um, by E. Jean Carroll. Uh, and so this, that news wasn't even fresh when this town hall happened. Very serious accusations made by Ms. Carroll against Donald Trump, and he seemed to not give a fuck. Here is some of the audio from that night and what Trump had to say. Usually you, you leave office, you say, I'm sorry, but I'm going to back home. I'm back home to my family and everything. I'm going to be resigned. My poll numbers went up, and they went up with the other fake charge, too, because what's happening is they're doing this for election interference. This woman, I don't know her. I never met her. I have no idea who she is. I had a picture taken years ago with her and her husband, nice guy, John Johnson. He was a newscaster, very nice man. She called him an ape. Happens to be African-American. Called him an ape. The judge wouldn't allow us to put that in. Her dog or her cat was named Vagina. The judge wouldn't allow to put that in. All of these things, he would... Why are we playing this clip? Rachel's yeah. laughing. See, this is what that we're starting with. Of all the outlandish things he said, why this is are the we thing, starting though. with this? This clip? is the thing because that's that's important. Donnie, play it again. Play, Nobody like, can deny that Trump is not funny, but he's despicable right. in in the midst of it. But go ahead. Right? No, actually, no. Don't play it. Again. <laughs> don't play. It don't again. play we'll it again. We'll, we'll need to hear. Um, Trump continued to, obviously that's all bullshit. He knows exactly who she is. He remembers meeting her. It's all bullshit. He lied repeatedly, uh, during the, the town hall, continuing to claim that, 
the 2020 election was rigged. Uh, that former Vice President Pence had the authority to send the election back to the states. He did not. That Pence wasn't under threat that day, which of course he was. That Trump requested 10,000 troops to secure the Capitol and that Nancy Pelosi didn't want that to happen. Lie, 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 lie. That he had the right to take the classified documents to Mar-a-Lago. Lie. Lie, 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 lie. Okay. This is the crux of the argument, Rachel. As people are putting it out on the Twitter sphere. Doesn't matter what sound we play you from Trump's town hall. We can play you sneakily pro-Putin stuff. We can play you uh, obviously pro-Putin stuff. We can play you Trump talking about the debt ceiling. We can play you any number of things that Trump said that were untrue or hypocritical or just right. downright nasty. The central question is, should CNN have put Trump on to do this town hall knowing who Donald Trump is, knowing who he's always been, and kind of what would end up happening here. They chose yeah. um, Caitlin Collins to mm-hmm. uh, moderate and run the town hall. She's someone who's had a back and forth before with Trump. Her performance up there, people have talked about. I think she did a great job. I think she did the best job that she could have done. But besides all of that stuff, the question is knowing what Donald Trump was going to do, if you're CNN, do you put him up there? What's your answer to that question? Um, I'm glad that that's what we're talking about because no, CNN should have never had Donald Trump on their airwave in that, in that way, right? Not in front of a live audience that was pro-Trump, not live on TV where he could be unleashed and keep going and going and going instead of it being a taped interview that where you could cut things down and edit certain things. What CNN did was allow him the opportunity to spew out misinformation over and over and over again, where and with that audience that was like, uh, it, it was like church for him. Like it was like a back and forth. It was a Trump rally at that point. The cheers, the laughs, the laughs, the clapping. I mean, going back to what you originally said, should CNN have put him on? No. But did CNN get exactly what they wanted? Yes. Did Donald Trump get exactly what he wanted? Yes. CNN has everybody talking about them. They got I don't know the ratings, but I'm sure they're the best that they've been for CNN in a long time because everybody knows that CNN has not been doing well. Trump got a platform to speak to his people. Trump was trumping per usual. He didn't say anything that was shocking or out of his character. He he was completely on brand. The problem is that CNN, and and I've seen people say, a lot of people are overreacting in regards to um, getting mad at CNN or Caitlin Collins or whoever it may be. But what they were saying is that CNN is not supposed to choose a side and they're not supposed to run away from Trump. They're supposed to face things head on. That is all out the window when it comes to the person spewing out misinformation. And that's exactly what happened. And it and even though Caitlyn, I do think Caitlyn did a good job as best as she could do. I like heard it. somebody, I heard somebody say this. I, I think, think that she's, she's a had an extremely, I think she's had an extremely fast trajectory. 
uh, like a bit on a fast trajectory fan. I think she's been on a fast trajectory as far as her role at CNN. I don't think she should have been the person in there, but I also don't think she did a bad job because that, but the reality is that, and I saw, heard somebody say this, Trump can lie faster than any interviewer can fact check him, which is why you don't put him on live TV in front of a live audience where he can just go on and on and on and on and on. She, it was, it was a lose-lose situation. She was doomed to fail. She's just doomed to fail. So yeah, this, this should have never happened. But that's where I think the focus has to be. Is this what we expect from now on with CNN? Are they going to continue to give Trump and Trump supporters and all those who have those thinking, who are in line with that type of thinking, a platform to push out these conspiracy theories? It's almost like Fox News dropped these pieces and CNN's picking them up where they left off, like picking up where they left off. What do you think? I disagree. Do you really disagree or are you disagreeing for the sake of argument? I vehemently disagree. Mm. Not, not, not as vehemently. No, no, no. Say it with your chest. Say it with your chest. Oh, just silly. You said it. Steve, I can see you, Steve. You passionately disagree. I disagree. Let me tell you why. I disagree. Okay, so CNN doesn't have to talk to Trump supporters. They don't. But if CNN is covering the race on the Republican side, they have to talk to Donald Trump. Because Not in Donald, that way. Do, Donald Trump is leading the uh, the Republican field. And not only do they have to talk to him, they need to, if they're covering this, right? Because what, what I want from my news is I don't want a slant. I want the news as it is. Ugly, disgusting, or whatever. I don't want it as it is. The only thing that you can do there when you're talking to Donald Trump, you don't even want to have a pre-taped situation with him where you edit out lies. You don't even want to do that because then that's not giving the American people an accurate assessment of who Donald Trump is. To me, the way that you get an accurate assessment of who Donald Trump is, is to talk to Donald Trump and then when Donald Trump lies, to call him on the lie. Here's the thing. We know that Donald Trump does not tell the truth. We know that his constituency doesn't care whether or not he's telling the truth or not. They don't care. And he's going to lie. So it doesn't matter where he's at. That's going to happen. It does matter where he is. But this is good. And I know everyone doesn't think what happened on Wednesday is good. Why? Because as upset and mad as people are, they need to remember that when it comes time to vote. Because the reality is, if Donald Trump is allowed to lay dormant, if he's allowed to skate, then there are parts of this country that might look at the situation that they feel like they are in and make what they think is a political decision, right? Because there are a whole bunch of people that goes, they go, hey, I didn't mind the tax cuts, I didn't mind whatever, whatever. Not that any of Trump's policies were, were, were good, especially for the average American. But uh, people might look at that and go, hey, whatever. If they're not hearing from Donald Trump, it might to some people, in my opinion, they might lose the frame of reference they need to remember who he is. 
Like, we tried to ignore Trump. His base won't let it happen. They're not going to let him be ignored. So, if you want people who are on fire to go and vote, who are on fire not just to go and vote out Donald Trump, but to vote out Trump-era politics, you need to know exactly what their figurehead is, who he is, and how he acts. So I think this little refresher course for America was good. Now, I think that everybody's pissed off because I think that we're at a point where people don't know how to be anything other than mad. So rather than look at the guy on the stage and be like, the reality is that there is a large portion of the country that agrees with him or not even agrees with him, finds him agreeable in the way that he acts, they'd rather be mad at CNN for reminding them. That's not CNN's, CNN doesn't have the opportunity to say this isn't real. They're a news organization. And I would be talking the same way if this were MSNBC, if this were Fox, if this were ABC, they're a news organization. What they have to do is they have to feature the people that are affecting American political discourse. And I think that it's clear that Donald Trump is one of those people. So I'm not saying that they have to silence or run away from Donald Trump. What I'm saying is they could have controlled the way that they presented him to the public. And that doesn't necessarily mean editing. I gave that as an example. It doesn't mean having a taped interview and editing. But in a town hall where it's live, where he can just filibuster and say all these things, CNN does have a duty to not let them say things that aren't true. She did. And as she did that. She did as best as she could, but it still landed. And, 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 and the other thing is, to what you were saying, if he is always going to be Trump and say the things that Trump's going to say, nothing changed with him. He has not changed. He has not grown from when he first started running back in 2016, 15, 16. Um, if he's always going to be him and the mega and the MAGA audience is always going to be them and they're not going to change. And the people who are disgusted with him are always going to think the way they are. Then how was it beneficial at all to allow that display to happen? You can't convince me that CNN did that for the sake of news. CNN did that for ratings because they are not doing well. Well, and, well, and even afterwards, there was a there was a um, an anchor that had someone on who again was reiterating the things that Trump said on well, CNN. What do, you want, what do you want them to do? Are they supposed well, to look, act like those people don't exist? It, no, so, so, but, so but, my, but but there could have been a de- when they debate. I watched that's, them. That's I, I watched a whole panel with Byron Donalds, um, and Van Jones and Anderson Cooper and all of those guys were. Byron Donalds refused to answer the question about whether or not he thought the 2020 election was rigged or not. And it's Van Jones and Anderson Cooper. I watched all the coverage. Van Jones and Anderson Cooper looking at him mm-hmm. going, like, do not do you have courage enough to answer the question? I mean, that's all you can ask for. If you want an echo chamber where, only, where one side acts like the other side doesn't exist, that is what you go to Fox for. And that's what we criticize Fox 4. I think the criticism of CNN on the other side is actually unfair. And I also think, I think of, of any liberal, of any liberal station, a liberal slanting station, Trump type of criticism, uh, Trump criticizing station uh, or, or network. I think that's unfair. 
I think it's unfair to say, hey, all Fox does is give you conservative news with a conservative slant. We want some place that gives us all liberal news with a liberal slant. I personally think this rage that people feel, as misplaced as it is towards CNN, it's actually good. And like once, once again, I don't think that CNN did this for news over ratings, but I don't think they do anything for news over ratings. I think, the rea- I, I, think the rea- I think the reality is that every time CNN cuts to commercial, every time Fox cuts to commercial, every time ABC, NBC, all of these places cut to commercial, they're advertisements. So they're all capitalist organizations trying to make money. But when you say that people are outraged and this is a good thing, it's the people who are already going to be outraged. You don't have new people who are outraged with this. It's the same thing. So that's why I say it didn't hit in any... You think new people were outraged no, by this? No, but I don't think that that matters. But I, Because what I think, what, what I personally think is what I see, and this is me making my own assessment, I see a mm-hmm. lot more passion and fire on the other side of the political aisle than I sometimes see on the left. What I see on the left a lot of times is, and this is not necessarily the fault of, I don't know, the White House or uh, left-leaning leaders or anything like that. It's just that the left, we've talked about this before, has a much more diverse palette of people to try to, sure. uh, to, try to, to cater to. So a lot of times what you see is, hey, you're not liberal enough for someone. Hey, you're not moderate enough for somebody. Hey, you don't think this, like Joe Biden gets up there and says, uh, um, he's funding the police. There's a whole part of the, the progressive movement that's mad at him, myself included. Kamala Harris gets up there and she says, America is not a racist country. There's a whole portion of black people that are mad at her, myself included. When she's trying to actually uh, stay in good standing, with moderate suburban white ladies who are one election away from being Republican and she feels like she can't say that. I feel like it's bullshit. She's got a harder job. I get that and I understand that. I still need to make sure to keep people like her and President Biden accountable for what I think is most important to me in my life. I don't give a fuck about those women in the suburbs. I don't give a fuck about anybody's political career. On the other side, they're in lockstep for a large large degree. They think niggas are unhoused people, undocumented people, and all the rest of them are going to take their country on it, take their country over, and they're on fire about it. And they're willing to get out, rap on doors, do whatever, talk, rally, brave COVID, whatever, to make it happen. That emotion needs to be met by the electorate on the left side. And if that means remembering just how shitty this guy is and getting upset about it, all over again because you see him again because he hasn't been deplatformed on Twitter. Trump as Trumpism is not dead. It's still alive and well. And yeah, and, we saw and, it. And to me, I watched people get upset about it and I thought it's good that they're mad. That's all I'm saying. No more filibustering for me. But I thought I thought it's good that they're mad. Yeah, I again, I'm not saying they can't have Trump on their airways. I'm just saying that it needs, it did not need to be in that format. I fully expect for there to be, when there's a presidential debate, let Trump do his thing, let Biden go at him and let those two do their thing against each other with the moderator. That's something that we're used to seeing. This to me seemed above and beyond. And and I believe for ulterior motives, for the ratings, not because of what you just said about firing up people so that they can get out and vote 
and to show people that Trumpism is alive and well. I'll never see it that way. I just felt, and I'll stand by it, I just felt, I'm, I'm not one of those people who was outraged either. How dare CNN? I'm never watching CNN again. That wasn't me, but I did feel that last night was unnecessary. It didn't give us anything that we didn't already know and we haven't already seen. But do and, you know been, th- and you don't need to be super outraged at Trump at the st- at, because if you're not paying attention, he's in the news all the time. There's literally a lawsuit just filed against him. Not filed against him, but I mean, uh, a judgment just just against him. He's always in the news for doing something that is not right. You don't but was need, it this, if, But wasn't this more this visceral? If this took you to get, if but this wasn't took this you more to get vis- outraged. Wasn't this more visceral? Wasn't it's this more visceral? He was saying this was, the last but, time. But here's the thing, though. Once again, I want to make sure that what I'm saying about CNN is, is understood. I don't think that CNN did this to fire up the left. They're not supposed to do anything to fire up the left. Not supposed to, yeah. They're not supposed to do anything to fire up the left. CNN, ABC, NBC, Fox, none of these places are supposed to do anything to fire up the left. The problem is that they are. The problem is that we need information that we can synthesize and then go use it to make decisions in our lives as a part of the American society. And what we're actually getting are sermons from capitalist news organizations who are feeding into parts of us that um, that they know we're uh, parts of us that they know trigger us in order to, to further their own money-making situations, right? Now, CNN, in this particular situation, to me, has an obligation to interview the Republican frontrunner. In whatever way they want to do it, in whatever way that we can talk about whether or not it was the most effective way, that's fine. I'm here for that argument. You want to do it a different way, that's cool. But if Joe Biden's going to have a town hall, then the other side has to have one too. You, you, you fact check the lies as best you can, and you let the American people know what is real and what is not. But I'm not saying that they did this to fire up people to be mad at Donald Trump. They're not supposed to be doing that. And it, so so that, that that's actually not what they should be doing. So I don't it, to me, I saw ALC and everybody like that. It's like to put him on CNN, he didn't put himself on CNN. If Donald Trump wasn't a viable candidate, he wouldn't be on there. So what I'm telling you guys right now is this: the problem isn't the fact that he is who he always was. The problem is that he still has a large swath of people that make him, I'm sorry, politically and politically viable in the country. I don't He's, think anybody would disagree with that. Oh, last thing I will say about this is, do you think that they should have had people asking questions because I know they were like, this is a Republican and an undeclared audience. It seemed like everybody was Republican in the audience. Yeah. I don't, is that how it, no, I don't watch a whole lot of town halls, but is it, if, if, for, if it was Biden, for example, is everybody a Democrat or undecided? I mean, Biden's the president now, so they probably would do it a little bit different then, but normally when you're campaigning and you put the people in the room, you put them in a room with. In a favorable with, room, is what you're well, saying. That's a primary crowd. So it wouldn't yeah, make any yeah, sense. Yeah. Right. If you're going to do it, if during a general, you put them in there with everyone. But we're talking about a primary right now. This is primary politics. So it's a little di- bit different than when things come out of the primary. Okay. Yeah, I'll, leave, I'll put a button in it. You, well, fucking, you fucking hate him. <laughs>
I, I hate, I hate, <laughs> you hate CNN. You, you, like, you hate all, you know what? Fuck. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, I thought it was a good, I thought, I think that's a good back and forth about, you know, I, and I, I was having this I'm conversation shocked. with a lot of I did not people. know you were going to say that. No, 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 no. Look, uh, I, I personally, if, if I don't have any problem with deplatforming somebody, I don't. I think it's actually good. But, <laughs> but in this particular case, if poll numbers are saying that this guy, by the way, the poll numbers aren't just showing Trump competitive or kicking up Ron DeSantis. The poll numbers are showing Trump in a dead heat with Joe Biden, and in some polls, they're showing him slightly ahead. Yeah, you I told us people, that. That's the I, one thing he wasn't really lying about. I need people to remember what the stakes are and who the guy is. So, to put some light on it. Whatever. Um, agree or disagree, but, you know, Del Orlando time. Look, look, you guys, uh, we're going to get to an interview with Del Orlando, fantastic actor. He uh, is on a show right now on Hulu called Unprisoned. Uh, I would hope that um, as one sat back and listened to this interview that, you know, one would uh, really open their mind up to be able to get all the knowledge that's about to be dropped on you from Del Orlando. This is one of the books. Shout out to By Tracial. (laughs) That's <laughs> podcast. All right, Daryl Orlando on the other side of this break. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. That's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life. With premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. So our next guest is I tried to do something before we got him on. I tried to think of what my favorite signature role of his was, and I couldn't do it. It's 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 been too consistent. Too many. Too, it's yeah. too much too much work over the course of the years that I've been watching him. It could be West Indian Archie. Uh it could be Clockers. It could be what's the point of living in LA if you're not in the movie business? It could have been so many different roles. Uh, he's contributed so much to the arts. We're glad to have him on. Delroy Lindo joins us today on Higher Learning. How are you doing, Mr. Lindo? Um, doing okay. How are you? You're doing okay. What's, how can we get you to be doing fantastic? What can we do? Uh, because of the technical do? challenges doing this, connecting technical with you guys. It's very, very frustrating, but that's okay. That's okay. We, we appreciate your patience and we're glad that you are here with us. We've been looking forward to this. So thank you. 
We Thank really you. do. And, and what I said about you earlier is absolutely true. I've enjoyed so much of the work that you've done over the Thank years. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. A gigantic treat for me. Get Shorty is literally one of my favorite movies. One of my favorite movies. Um, so I, I guess that's where I'll start. Uh, you know, you have a show that you're doing right now. It's called Unprisoned. Um, it's with you and Kerry Washington. And I think the, the show hits close to home for me as somebody who recently lost their father. Uh, watching a show where someone has to sort of relearn their dad and uh, get reacquainted with their father under not the greatest circumstances was very, it's a very powerful show to me. It's a very powerful show to see that called a multi-generational dynamic. Um, what does it mean to you at this point in your career to be able to, to, to act with an actress like Carrie Washington and to be able to play that sort of patriarch uh, in a different way than we normally see them on television? So many of the roles that you do are so powerful, but this one deals with a lot of dynamics inside the Black family. What was it like for you to do that? I guess the first thing is that I'm, uh, I noticed you said that it resonated for you. And uh, in speaking with various members of the media, um, various folks have said that. So um, that is very, very gratifying that it seems to be resonating in very, very personal ways for the audiences that are seeing this work. Um, I, I was one of the people who had the opportunity to speak with you at the premiere of Unprison, and it it was it was powerful to to watch it. I, I was able to you know watch it back then and you know finish it later. But when you spoke, you spoke about not just the response that you hope that it had, but you talked about the power of the message and what this represents, this relationship between the father and daughter, um, the the fact that he has been in prison and is coming and meeting his family. Can you speak to the power of the message with Unprison? And from, from then talking to you at the premiere to now, what has the response been from the audience as they have um, received Unprison? Well, as I just mentioned, um, a lot of people have responded very positively to the work. Um, and it seems to uh, resonate for people in very, very personal, personal ways. The f- fact that this family is presented, this family who happen to be black, right? Um, the fact that they are being presented uh, Facing the challenges of reconnecting um, father to daughter, daughter to father, um, grandfather to grandson, how the grandfather's presence inside the family impacts the relationship between the the son and the mother, all of those various components um, seem to be resonating. And, and people seem to be appreciating the fact that, as you said, the, this family is being presented dealing with negotiating all of those various um, dynamics within, the, within, the, within, their, within their family dynamic. And the fact that um, so often... Audiences, perhaps, I mean, I'm not sure. Um, 
the various impacts of, of having a family member be incarcerated. Mm-hmm. Then there is, there are the various dynamics that go along with having a family member incarcerated. Then, and the fact that there are so many family members who are impacted by that one event. Then, when the family member is going through the process of returning to society, the various dynamics that uh, impact so many people, family, extended family, the individuals themselves. And so the fact that this work on prison is attempting to illuminate, shed light on all of those various dynamics, it's really gratifying for me to be involved with a piece of work that's resonating on all of those different fronts. Yeah. Um, for, for audiences. Um, you know, I've seen your career and watched your career. You've, you've worked with Spike a lot. This is when I first came to see you. You worked a lot with, with Spike Lee, but I've seen you in all different types of movies, different types of productions. You have a incredibly varied, a wide ranging, um, career. So, when I say that, I mean, you've been in movies that were considered to be black movies, but then you've been in movies that people would consider just are bigger Hollywood things with some of the biggest stars in the world. When I ask you about something that we covered here on Higher Learning, Richard Dreyfuss uh, made a little news a couple of days ago. Um, <laughs> you're shaking your head. You don't want to. I am shaking it. my head. <laughs> you don't want to talk about it. Okay, cool. Um <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, then uh, I will come. It will come to my next question. Uh, the the theater. How let important? Me, let me say this before we move on. Uh-huh. The reason I'm shaking my head is because whatever causes any person, whether it be Richard Dreyfus or anybody else to have the opinions that they express are entirely their prerogative to state the obvious. My reaction, I prefer to share with my loved ones, my family, I prefer to have my, I prefer to keep my uh, reaction to that, those kinds of comments private. I think that if you ask yourself, both you guys, what your response to hearing that, those comments are, they probably, um, encapsulate what the responses of various people that we know are. Um, I guess what I will say is the idea the the idea of inclusion in this society is something that I support 
7,000%. And as somebody who has traditionally been excluded from certain areas, um, not only inside the entertainment industry, but in life, uh, I am acutely aware for myself of the benefit to society of being more inclusive. There you have it, mm. Rachel. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, in Unprison, obviously we see you play a father in this, in this series, but over the span of your career, we've seen you play many fa- different types of fathers or father-like figures. Um, with looking over your entire career, which is the father or father-like figure that you've played that you feel that you've most resonated with or is most like you? It's, it's virtually impossible for me to answer that question because I'd have to, you know, revisit um, so many aspects of the work um so it's it's really it's really it's 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 virtually impossible for me to to answer that this is what i will say um and i am not saying that the character that i played in clockers rodney is like me But one of the things that was really interesting, so let me be really clear about that. That is not what I am saying. Okay. What I will will say about playing Rodney in Clockers was one of the really intriguing and tragic components of playing that part for me was in addressing the question, why is it that a character like, a a human being like Rodney becomes a father figure to these young men? It speaks to Various components inside our families and inside society that are missing as our young people are raised, as our young people grow. It speaks to various components that are missing that a human being like Rodney can become a father figure. Now, I really, 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 really need to be very clear. I'm not judging Rodney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In saying what I just said, that is not a judgmental. I do not intend it to be a judgmental um, uh, statement, because the fact of the matter is, in playing Rodney, I had to try my best to understand who this man is, and frankly, to be empathetic towards mm-hmm. him. But it was an intriguing component 
of of playing that that particular character as it relates to you know why is this man the father figure to these young um these young uh young men and then last weekend i happened to um be speaking with um aj arthur I used to call him Arthur Jaffa, but apparently he now pronounces it Jaffa. <laughs> Arthur Jaffa, who was the, J, the, the DP on, on Crooklyn. And we were, I call him AJ. Everybody calls him AJ. AJ, AJ. And we were kind of marveling at the fact that Crooklyn has stood the test of time in the way that it has. The father that I played in that film, Woody Carmichael, again, I'm not saying he's a favorite of mine more than some other father-like figures, but I do appreciate having played Woody, having been a part of that film, and I I have profound um, appreciation for the fact that that particular father, that particular family inside that film have stood the test of time the way it, the, the way it has. So mm-hmm. I didn't really answer your question, but that's just addressing. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. Okay. You did. Thank you. I, really, I, I, need to, I need to be clear that in, 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 in highlighting those two, you know, Rodney, and and Woody Carmichael, I'm not necessarily saying those two resonated more strongly for me than others. I'm just saying that in in, in attempting to answer your question or respond to your question, I'm just kind of articulating some things, some thoughts that I have, um, uh, having played those two two particular parts. Mm-hmm. What does what does Delroy Lindo do for fun? Like, what do you do? You know. You're you're coming off the set. You're gonna take a load off. You're gonna unwind. Like what what do you what do you do to kind of just wind um, down and well kick back? Um, you know, physical exercise is really important to me because um, because of the physical and the psychological emotional benefits. Okay, I'm a swimmer, um, oh. and swimming is really important to me. Um, my family is really important to me. Um, but with regard to your, specifically your question about winding, what I do to wind down, I I, I would say that it, it, it's really, really important for me to exercise right. consistently, um, for the benefits, not only physically, but uh, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, um, mm-hmm. literature, um, books are really, really important to me. Um, you know, as it relates to broadening my mind or take, uh, making the attempt to broaden, broaden my mind and have a deeper understanding of the world in which we live. So literature books really, really important to me. Mm. Crack open a book. I love to read as well. Um, is, is, so you're a nonfiction, a fiction guy, like you, like a, like, um, what do you, what, 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 like, what do you, what do you get into? Yeah. Um, 
again, that's hard for me to answer because both, 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 um, depending on, you know, what, what the content is and, and, and what kind of a journey it's taking me on. So I would say, I would say both. I mean, I, you know, I like a good novel, a good piece of literature, but, um, um, a nonfiction, I'm sorry, fiction, a good piece of uh, fictional, uh, 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 literature, but, you know, um, fiction, nonfiction, similar, depending on, you know, the journey that the, 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 the words that the book is taking me on. Mm. Mm. Um, on, on prison, you have a producing credit and I'm wondering, yeah. are you, are you at the stage in your career where you're going to looking to do more things to get involved behind the camera? Very much so. Um, it's very, very important for me as, as much as I can to expand, you know, my footprint. Um, mm -hmm. and that absolutely involves, um, producing, directing much more. I've directed for the, for the, uh, for the theater. Um, I'm in the process of putting a project together, uh, a feature film, um, that I oh. will direct. So the answer to your question is yes, I'm very, 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 um, interested and committed to broadening my footprint and broadening the, 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 my relationship to the various projects that I work on. You're, you're a very decorated actor. You're, I'm looking at the list of awards that Delroy Lindo has won, and it's expansive and extensive, my brother. Um, we talk a lot about, we get into the various uh, award season races uh, that happen here. Like, how important is that stuff to you? Do you want to win an Academy Award? You want the Golden Globe? You want all of that stuff? Or is that stuff just kind of tangential to the art that you make? And if it comes, it comes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I know there's a lot of hubbub about Angela Bassett not winning for Wakanda forever. Uh, like, you've been, your name has been in those discussions before. How important is that to you? What I've learned um, is that the work, uh, the content of the work has to be the most important uh, component because to the extent that one assesses oneself, quote-unquote, judges oneself um, inside the process of, of creating any piece of work, that is the most important uh, for me. Uh, because in expecting that one's work will be recognized externally, um, one is setting oneself up for disappointment. Mm. So uh, what's most important for me is, is, my relationship to whatever creative process I've been engaged in and how I feel about the success or lack of success of, of that work. Um, last question for me. I thought it was really interesting and a full circle moment with you working with Carrie Washington on Unprisoned because I read where she talked about watching you on screen um, in Malcolm X and the arc of your character transformed her and really developed, helped her develop her craft throughout her career. And then now you guys are, are working together on this successful series. Right. When you hear something like that, does it make you think about 
your legacy and what you want that to be? It doesn't make me think about my legacy per se. It does make me profoundly appreciative that my presence as an actor has impacted um, a colleague in that particular way because um, that's really all one can ask for, you know, to be appreciated, to be respected for one's work, for one's output. And when it comes from one's peers, you know, one's colleagues, that's when it really, really, really has an extra special uh, meaning um, for, for me. Um, yeah, Carrie has been very, very, you know, effusive in her, uh, in, in speaking about how, you know, my, my work in Malcolm X impacted her. And that's just really, really special. You know, one, because I'm really proud of the film. I think it's a, a, a fabulous film. And I'm certainly proud of, you know, my contribution to the film. And, you know, what's interesting, uh, uh, an added component with regard to, and I've said this um, a lot over the years, um, one of the most gratifying components for me, or one of the most gratifying aspects of having played West Indian Archie specifically, is the fact that in a three-hour film, you know, Malcolm X is, is Spike's Malcolm X is, you know, three hours long. And West Indian Archie is in the film maybe 15 minutes, maybe. Maybe a little longer. I don't know, somewhere around there. But the fact that the character impacts the film as he has proven to do, is particularly gratifying and satisfying. Because it's not like, you know, I'm, I'm not in the film a lot, right? Mm -hmm. But the, when, when West Indian Archie is there, it's very, very impactful. And I would say what I've always said is that um, uh, it's that last scene, it's the final scene in... in, in um, West Indian Archie's final scene when Malcolm comes to visit me in the in the SRO that kind of puts the capper on that on on West Indian Archie's journey throughout the film. Without that final scene, um, perhaps it would not have been as impactful. But seeing West Indian Archie, you know, from a dramaturgical, from a narrative point of view, seeing um, him at the beginning of his journey in that film and seeing where, West Indian, where I end up toward the end of my life just completes that journey. And I think it makes um, the audience um, awareness of that journey that much more complete. Mm -hmm. You know what I think about Archie in that film? And I've always felt this since I watched it as, as a kid. The very first scene between Archie and Red, and by the way, every time I watch the movie, I can never remember whether or not Red had the number or not. It, 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 I can never remember whether or not he actually had the number. But when I watch the movie now, and especially knowing what I know about the life of, of, of Malcolm X, the first scene between them, Red so desperately wants to be Archie. He so desperately wants to be him. 
He's like, you conning me? He's like, uh, why? He's like, because I want in. He wants it so bad. But in order for him to become Malcolm X, he has to do what he does, which is escape Archie. So the entire time there, Archie represents like something that Red could actually never be. And well, I think, let me just say this. I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever had a chance to, um, to speak with Denzel. You'd have to ask Denzel whether or not he wants to be Archie. What, what seems to be clear from the, uh, from the script is that certainly as, 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 as Malcolm says, I want in. He certainly wants into that lifestyle. He certainly wants into the lifestyle that he feels West Indian Archie represents. Um, uh, and to your point, yeah, in order for him to become the Malcolm that we all appreciate and, and love, he had to, of course, escape that lifestyle. Yes. But I'm, I'm not really sure that, that, that Malcolm wanted to be West Indian Archie per se, but certainly um, it's clear that he wants into, he wanted into that lifestyle. For sure. Yeah, whole thing. Um, so my last question is about the theater. You've done a lot of theater work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We've talked to some, some pretty important people here in the town who talk about the fact that actors need to make sure that they, that they stay connected to the theater because that is an incredible way to hone your ability. Um, and it's a way that separates creatively or I guess from a talent perspective, really, really uh, incredible actors from actors that are more kind of just movie stars. Do you feel like more serious actors take theater more seriously? Do you feel like uh, the the art of the theater is dying? What do you think about that? I don't think the art of the theater is dying. Um, what I'll say about what my experience in theater did for me is that it it did indeed helped me to hone my craft. It helped me to um, develop my relationship to myself as a person, as, a, as, an, as an instrument. Uh, it absolutely helped me to uh, hone uh, certain aspects of my craft. And through working in the theater, because I worked um, pretty much for 10 years as a theater actor out of New York City. I was a New York City-based theater actor pretty oh, much exclusively. the first 10 years of my career. Oh, interesting. Um, and in, 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 in those 10 years, I'd like to believe that I was able to develop, to become sufficiently conversant with the craft of acting so that when I started working for the camera, I was able to take um, some of the work ethic, the ethos that I had developed in the theater and um, translate that into the work that I did um, for the camera. And I believe that having worked in the theater, that has... Uh, contributed to the longevity that I've been fortunate enough to, to have. And for any young actors who may be listening to this and anybody that has ever spoken to me about this, I always say, if you can um, work in the theater, 
um, examine your craft through working in, in the theater. Because when you start then working for film, hopefully the kinds of the work ethic and the, 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 the ethos that you develop as a theater actor, hopefully you can then transfer into your work for film. Well, Delroy, we are uh, really honored that you. you that you would join us today. Um, Unprisoned is the show. Uh, it is on Hulu. It's on Hulu uh, with Kerry Washington, the, the entire cast there. It must be a pleasure for them to get to talk to you every single day. Um, so thank you for joining us today on Higher Learning, man. It's really been a treat. Thank yes, you very thank much. You. I wish you, guys, wish you guys the best. All the thank best. You. Thank, thank you. Thank you. You too. Okay. Um, no back. That Delroy Lindo, what did you think? Like I oh. talk, what, what, what Delroy Lindo, what like what was your, you know? Delroy has a lot of wisdom. I mean, when you look at all that he's done, I like that you talk to him about the theater too, because he's been nominated for a Tony Award and everything. Like this man is has really is really a thespian. Um, yeah. Uh, it was great to talk to him. I mean, he's a legend. Uh, it, it, uh, dope, fantastic. Um, you know, there's a lot of other stuff. I'm gonna let you guys know. Rachel's gotta go, so there's a lot of other stuff that we're gonna get, to. <laughs> and we're gonna get to on Monday. The Georgia Bulldogs, Alex Haley, which is deeply disturbing. Um, and like why? It, it's here, Sorry, it's here. <laughs> why? That's a tough one. A tough one and Sorry. Gavin New and Gavin Newsom. Okay, uh, this was Delroy heavy, but right now we have to get to the to mailbag, and one would hope that during mailbag we would get to some questions that really really moved us. Okay, mailbag time. Let's go. Mailbag time. Time to read your letters, and then we'll reply to them. Oh. It's mailbag time. Write us with your queries, and we'll chime in. All right, let's see. Uh, first one is from Z Jenkins. They ask, in honor of National Teachers Week, which this week is, what is your funniest, weirdest, or wildest interaction with a teacher? It's uh, Teacher Week? Wow. Yeah. I don't... Teacher Week. I don't know. I don't have a wild story. I don't think I have a wild story about a teacher either. I have great teachers that I like, though. Mr. Gabauer was a great teacher. Miss Smith. Yeah, Miss uh, Hewlett, Miss Merriman. Um, yeah. One time I was late on delivering the paper. So I delivered the paper to Doc Walsh's house at maybe like 8.30, 9 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling that I almost got shot because I knocked on the door and like, hey, this is my paper. I'm delivering it to Doc Walsh. It's like, it's too damn late, her husband said. And I was like, oh, I thought this nigga oh. was about to go crazy deliver the fucking paper um i shout out to teachers though yeah i didn't even know that like i like teach you ever call your teacher teach what's up teach you never did you look like the type of person that that like had that type of relationship i'm telling you i didn't do that you ever put like i'm a a front of the classroom type yeah you do like hey teach 
hey, it's me. You, you ever put your pencil in your hair and was like, teach, teach. I didn't. I didn't, Van. I not did one not. time? You never put the pencil in your hair? It was like, look, teach. I was thinking about what you were saying. And, no, you didn't. Okay, fine. Next one. I think you should create a whole thing of, of what you think I was really like. A I'm, short film on what you, because <laughs> this image that you have of who you think I was back in the day I is really interesting. And I couldn't be more wrong. That you, in, in, you ever watch Facts of Life? Uh, here and there. So think I, think, I think you were a mix of Joe and Tootie. <laughs> well, I would hope you, I had some Tootie in me. Yeah, you were a mix of Joe and Tootie. You were Judy. Like Judy Lindsay. You, you come in there. Were you on the school paper? No, I didn't do what, the school paper. What did you, did you do yearbook or anything like that? I did yearbook like yeah, briefly. See. I did theater my last year. Mm. Bye Bye Birdie. Bye I was behind Birdie. the scenes in the production. See, okay, hold on real quick because we got to go, but I do want to say something. <laughs> the only worst, there's only one thing worse than theater kids. And that's I wasn't like, a theater kid though. Oh, okay, I, I kind of wish I was. The only thing worse, first of all, shout out to theater. Okay, we talked about Del Rolando. We talked to him about theater and one hopes that you guys took something away from that. But the only thing that I never understood about the because it's one thing to be in the theater, but it's another thing to be like the grip on like a high school <laughs> theater situation. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's like Rachel back there. It's like somebody's walking you know out what and it you, was? you pulling fucking sandbags from the fucking ceiling. <laughs> like, like, you know it goes dark and I'm moving stuff. It goes dark and you're moving, moving stuff, stuff around. Dressed like, it all black. You know what it was? My favorite, my favorite teacher was over the department and I, teach. it was like one of the, it was like one of the things that I hadn't done. It was my senior year and I was like, you know what? I want to do something that I haven't done before. So, so you're standing there with an eraser in your ear and a pencil in your ear, <laughs> chewing gum. Hey, I need you to move that over. Stage left. Stage left. Hey, 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 hey. The this, this new shipment of 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 of, of fucking Go, powder stop, just stop. came in. You gotta talk to Lindsay about that. I asked for this fucking two weeks ago. All right, put it in the back. The stage manager. Did my did my powder come in? Huh? We need it. God damn it, we're doing Daddy. a little shop of horror here. Okay, one more okay. question. One more question. <laughs> I wish we could have done that. One more question. Huh? I need my sandbags. <laughs> Who's going down the lows to get the sandbags? Huh? Got to fucking do everything around here. God damn it. Okay, go to <laughs> Threw my clipboard on the ground. <laughs> Threw the clipboard down. Fuck! <laughs> Donnie, go, go, go. All right, OK Concert. OK Concert asks, what was your first job? My first job was at Walmart being a Code 50. Rachel's first job was being a stage manager of <laughs> Little Shop of Horrors. And, and then, God damn it! My I first job was playing piano in Sunday school at age 11. Oh, Jesus Christ, you had a good <laughs> life, man. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I shout out to the judge of pretty hair. Rachel, you were set up for success. My God. Like Rachel, like Rachel, you, I, I love the fact, you know, my first job was out in, with a fucking rubber boots full of concrete in some of the worst places in Baton Rouge, slinging concrete around. God damn it, 95 degrees. And my dad saying, be a man. Don't cry. You don't need no water. I'm like, God, what? Oh, <laughs> like, you don't need no water. You know what? Water is for 
words you should like you don't need no water. Like, do it. Shovel it. Take that wheelbarrow over there. He used to say, you're a coujon. That's Cajun for hog. He'd be like, you're a coujon de long. Come on. Coujon. Be a coujon. <laughs> and I always had to be out there full of sweat, grown men, ex-convicts, drinking, all kinds of stuff, just going crazy. You know what I'm saying? But you have, okay, cool. And then right. there was me. <laughs> then it was you. Playing chopsticks or playing. Like, it was for church. It was for church. Oh, so what would you play? What would you play? You know, like I woke up this morning with my mind. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> and, and that's what you and that's what you tell people when you're on the stage. You're like, bring the piano in. I know all about a good piano. <laughs> all right. I play piano for church. Keys. Okay. Keys. I like, bring, bring the baby granny. We need it right here for the solo. Rachel, could you calm down? Get out of here! Tony, take us out. 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 